Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful. And for the faithful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. That was a excellent, 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 excellent comeback victory by the Edmonton Oilers. 4-3 over the Vancouver Canucks. They were down 3-0, came back 1-4-3, Bruce, and they, they earned it. They had 14 grade-A scoring chances to 11 grade-A chances for the Canucks. I'll tell you what, the Oilers have outchanced the opposition in about 70 to 80% of their games this year, Bruce. This is, Bruce, this is a good, this is a good hockey team. Well, they, uh, they hung in there tonight after a rocky start, to put it mildly. And uh, when they scored late in the first period, I thought, you know, game on. And then uh, and you said something similar in our scoring chance document where we were back and forth enjoying the game a little bit, see what, what happens next. And it stayed 3-1. I thought, well, maybe it's just going to be one of those games where they, you know, they just can't generate enough and their deficit's too big. But bang, bang, it took, what, four minutes into the third period to tie it up. And then... Uh, uh, a little bit of a good fortune on the winner. A few big saves from uh, uh, early culprit Mike Smith down the stretch. And, and uh, they sneak out of there with uh, two points in regulation. And that's a crushing, crushing defeat for the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, it's very, I'm very, and we're both very happy to report that. I, it's funny because I I Tyler Ennis. <laughs> Tyler Ennis, you live by the bounce and you you, yeah. you you die by the bounce and you win by the bounce. And of course, yeah, Ennis had a bad bounce on the second goal that went in, and then he had a good bounce on the winning goal, and that's how that's hockey. But the Oilers were the better team. They had more mm-hmm. really good scoring chances, and in the end, they had better goaltending as well. So um, a, a, a huge win, Bruce. It, it puts the Oilers there. Um, uh, they have twenty six points, and Toronto has thirty. So there's only four points back from the illustrious, world-beating, you know, maybe the greatest team of all time, Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Oilers. Got shut four. out by the Flames last night. That <laughs> that illustrious team. Yeah, that you know, they're right there with the uh, up there with the 1980s Oilers and the 19 late 50s Habs. Per se, that's, they're a real good team. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. And. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the Oilers are, are firmly in second place as of now by points, and uh, I think even points percentage they've they've probably made up most of the difference. I haven't looked at how tonight's affects that, but there's four teams that are pulling away from the other three, which is really what you want to see, is to be in 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 that pack. Leafs have so. a seventy seven fifty winning percentage, Winnipeg six thirty nine. Oh. Edmonton 619 and Montreal 611. But Montreal is fading a bit, aren't they? I mean, they, they look so good mm-hmm. at the start of the year and they've uh, had their struggles more recently. Bruce, this is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things and Two Numbers podcast. And because mm. when the Oilers win, we'll go with two good things each. What's your first good sure. thing? Yeah, I'm just going to pick a couple of random players that caught my eye in a good way tonight. My first one of those is uh, Gaetan Haas. Uh, center iceman on uh, one of the depth lines for the Oilers, and I'm I'm just so impressed with his smarts, his natural smarts for playing the game, his positional play, his 
ability to be in the lanes and to pick off passes or to jump on any pucks that might come free, uh, to carry it into the zone with speed, but but with purpose. Like there's one simple little play in the first period where he came over the line and he was running out of real estate. So he, he turned away from the checker just long enough so that when he fired the puck around the end board, through, around the corner, the ring around, uh, Patrick Russell had time to get to the end boards and receive that pass. Whereas some players, you just see him blindly fired away and go around the boards and come out the other side and the other team would be with it and moving up the ice. And he just bought that just long enough so that he could complete that ring around pass. And just, you know, simple little stuff like that. But, but his native hockey intelligence on the ice strikes me again and again that he's doing just smart things, body positioning and and um, just little shifts and uh, uh, feints with the puck to improve its, you know, his shooting or passing angle. Just um, on the defensive side, again, good positioning. He doesn't get burned. And uh, overall, if he was any good at face-offs, that's the one thing that's uh, a weakness for that player. But he's uh, he's pretty good on the penalty kill. And uh, he has been in... in uh, Switzerland, very good penalty killer, very good power player. And last year in Edmonton, he really got no chance to do either. And this year, I'm noticing they're giving him some time on the second power play and more time on the penalty kill cycle. And that's uh, that's a good thing. And he's finding his way nicely. He's an interesting player, Bruce. I think he could he could fit in on a top line. Like if they if they wanted, let's say, to put. Uh, have Pulley Arvey and McDavid kind of go to town, like Gretzky mm-hmm. and Curry, that, that idea. He could be their Tikkanen. Like he he is such a smart hockey player and he shuts down things so well defensively. Uh, and he can make plays too. He can pass the puck. Um, he could fit in on a top line. He's he's good enough to do that. And what I like best about him is he absolutely of all this Oilers centers, and Connor McDavid's been doing a good job of this this year. But of all the Oilers centers, Gaetan Haas absolutely takes responsibility for the defensive slot. He's not counting on anyone else to cover that off. He's the one that's doing that. And they add him out there with a minute left in the game doing yeah. that. And and it's because he he it's because it's a it's a mindset. He's not looking to break out, you know, to 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 go on the attack or to do anything else. Or he's going to be the guy who's going to take charge and cover off that defensive slot right in front of the goalie. And I think um, Leon Dreisaitl could could watch his videotape and frankly learn something from him. I think McDavid is, um, you know, on the on the uh, third Vancouver goal, Dreisaitl was high in the defensive slot. I've mentioned this before, and that's something you won't see Haas do. He'll be down there always, taking responsibility and covering it off. And um, I just really think it's been a. I, I'm going to segue to my good thing because I think. My first one is four good lines. And uh, having Haas come in for Turris, who Kyle Turris, who absolutely was lost in the defensive slot this year, um, getting beat repeatedly both on grade A scoring chances against and goals against, having Haas come in there and and be the opposite of that has made all the difference for for that bottom uh, line, whatever you want to call it, third, fourth line. Uh, uh, that line of Russell, Haas, and um, Chase on uh, has was was strong tonight. They didn't give up hardly anything in their own end, 
and um, they made one nice uh, scoring chance play. The third line, um, mm. the third line had a few great A chances against and was out for a goal against on that uh, bad luck deflection from Ennis, frankly. But they were out for the goal. And that third line, um, I really liked Ennis move down from the dry side of line back onto that line because I just think he makes that line, makes a real difference on that line, gives it an offensive edge, which is otherwise missing. Right. But Kara, uh, Archibald, and Ennis is like, Bruce, we finally have two bottom lines that, that are can outplay the opposition's bottom lines. Huge factor in a game. And then when you combine those with the top two lines tonight uh, and any night, I mean, the, the, the first line is a fantastic line now that Pugliarvi's going with McDavid and RNH. Um, they're starting to convert a little bit more. Uh, McDavid missed his breakaway chance tonight. Uh, but other than that, they, they are... Um, um, Nugent Hopkins uh, scored a couple recently. This line's going. And then the dry settle line was just fantastic tonight. And um, on the attack especially. They just, just they, There was some magic moments with that line out there. So four good lines, Bruce. I, when, was, when can we say that last happened oh, wow. on the Edmonton Oilers? Like 2006? Is that the last yeah. time? Maybe. Well, In the, for, what about 2016-17? Did they have? They kind of... Latestu, who was else? Who was Letestu in the fourth line? And Letestu and on the third line. I think. Yeah. Were they, were they the fourth? And I can't have to read. Because once they, once they moved Drysaddle up with McDavid, then they had Nuge on the second line. Anyway, they they uh, they certainly had a pretty solid. Uh, they had a pretty solid team. They had David DeHarnay. They got at the deadline. That's right. Remember? Yeah. So, That's right. Uh, you could probably no say kid. that they had four decent lines at least. You know, so that was a, that was one time. But um, this, Bruce, you got four four good lines, three solid pairs of defensemen. And if you get any kind of goaltending, you're going to do exactly what the Oilers are doing right now, which is start to win a lot of hockey games. So, Well, that's, that bottom six has been bringing it ever since Jujar Kara got back in the lineup. Yeah. And we've been seeing solid performances from, from both third and fourth line, whichever one is which. I mean, most nights are about the same. And... Uh, and the ice time duties, and they, you know, they clearly have, uh, uh, you know, they function in different ways. But that uh, uh, the Caroline has been has been a solid two way line, really. And and uh, Haas, I mean, uh, we talked about him already, and and uh, uh, he's brought some speed and smarts and. Uh, Especially speed. I mean, Carl Turris, he was playing center for the first 15 or 16 games. He finally wound up on the wing. You know, I was looking at our grades the other day uh, when I was doing the segment review, and Carl Turris played 18 games before he got banged up in a practice. And uh, of the 18 games, he got a grade of uh, five or more, which is average, three games out of 18. All three of us called the hockey graders just kept seeing them bad. Just mostly fours, a couple threes, not any ones, you know, and like totally terrible, but just nothing positive and little negatives or major negatives night after night. Once Kara came back and Haas got over whatever it was he was dealing with, all of a sudden there was no room at center anymore for uh, Kyle Turris and the Orders have been a better team since that happened. Yeah, Kara's the surprise, right? Because I, I wasn't. If we who, yeah. come on, who was expecting, who was expecting Jujar Kara to step up as the third line center? 
on the Edmonton Oilers a month ago. Even no, his fans, no one, even no his one. fans were starting to think he's going to need to go somewhere else to get another shot. So, well, we were his fans. Like you and I. Oh yeah, like, no, I'm a fan, but I, I like thought I thought he was he was he had one foot out the door, and uh, when yeah. he when he had such a poor start to the. The season. So I got to ask you though. I mean, uh, we we went to such trouble to pronounce uh, Philip Rovery's name all year. Now that we've heard Harna Ryan Singh pronounced Jujar Kara, are we going to be able to? Are we going to be able to handle that one? <laughs> I, I was. I heard that he had pronounced it, it correctly, great. and I did. I I never heard him say. It, so how do you pronounce? He had, he had a. Uh, well, uh, I'm having trouble with it now, aren't I? But you you could, are. when you pronounced it, you could hear <laughs> that there was an H in the word, which anytime you hear any any um, uh, of us uh, Western folk pronounce it, it sounds like it's just Kara without without the H. But uh, he somehow manages to get the H in there, and, uh, and uh, it's one of those uh, linguistic skills that uh, people who speak the language can do like rolling R's people can do that no problem I have a terrible time with it because it's not part of my language so I like <laughs> luck with that Harna Ryan Singh had it perfect uh, and if I you know with uh, with Philip Broberry we, we both had to hear it I think with our Multiple own ears times. from about 10 different announcers to actually believe okay this is how they say his name in Sweden like there's just like because people come at me that's not how you like no, come on. This is how they say his name. Lord Miller doesn't pronounce it like that, so it can't possibly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but so if I heard Jujark Kahara's name Kahara. pronounced correctly Kahara. by by you There's know, not a third syllable in there, but the yeah. H is squeezed in there somehow. I'd have to hear it a lot. And before it sounded I gave perfect it. as soon as I heard it. I thought, oh, that's how it's supposed to be said. And I tried to do it, and I couldn't. <laughs> There's some if you there's some there's some letters and, and words like some sounds that if you don't grow up hearing them, sometimes right. I, I think I've heard from a linguist you can't even hear them, let alone pronounce them. Like you can't do it. And the rolling of R's, uh, if that's what that one is, is is a is a difficult one for people who uh, speak uh, grew up speaking English and no other language, such as such as myself. I don't know. Maybe you grew up speaking. Did you grew up speaking uh, French as well, or not a lot? I I grew up reading. And listening to French, I, yeah. I, I, what French I learned, I listened to listening to uh, René Le Calvier doing uh, Montreal Canadian uh, uh, radio broadcast. Listen to a game in French, understand cool. the names, understand the crowd noises, understand the PA announcing in the background, and got to learn, you know, some of the French words. You know, after five thousand times of hearing La Rondelle, I decided that must be the puck. You know, but it, 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 uh, it was uh, me pretending to be asleep with the transistor radio under my pillow, listening to the hockey game in French on Sunday night, because that was how I rolled. <laughs> yeah, all I heard, all I had to go on with was Foster Hewitt's pronunciation of Ivan Cornway's name. Cornoyer. Uh, <laughs> whatever he said. Hey, so Bruce, uh, what's your second good thing? Oh, uh, I'm going to go with another uh, sort of um, out of the limelight player, but uh, I'm going to give some love to Caleb Jones, who returned to the lineup after a lengthy uh, um, stint upstairs in the press box, uh, which lasted all of February until tonight. He, uh, he sat out nine straight games since uh, uh, being beaten by uh, 
uh, Drake Batherson's power play goal against Ottawa, and that was the second time in, in a short time that he'd been beaten for uh, by not filling the lane on a power play. And clearly, Dave Tippett uh, was not impressed. And at a certain point, Dave Tippett had an issue where he had nine defensemen available, but with Tyson Berry and Evan Bouchard, both regulars in his nightly lineup, uh, neither of whom killed penalties, and he didn't trust uh, Caleb Jones to kill penalties, so he would he was looking at the other options like William Lagasin, Slater, Cuckoo. Well, those guys are both hurt now, so he had no choice but to put Caleb Jones back in. And Caleb, to his credit, I thought he had a fine game tonight. Was skating well, was, uh, uh, wasn't really yielding anything, uh, moving the puck north. I mean, when he was on the ice at even strength, 11 and a half minutes, uh, 13 shot attempts by the orders, three by the Canucks, 13 to three. And when his partner was out there in a slightly more time, Evan Bouchard, 16 to six. So that uh, third pairing uh, held its own and then some. And Jones was indeed the choice as being the second penalty killer uh, because Barry and Bouchard were in the game and they didn't play a second. And, of course, the, the main unit of Nurse and Larson played a little over three minutes uh, of the four. And Russell and uh, Chris Russell and Jones played a little under one minute, but he was the choice and he got the job done, he and the penalty killing unit. Particularly loved to play, he made in the first, uh, second period, send yeah, uh, Nuge away, send Nuge away, where he, where he sort of stepped in and, and took command of a puck just inside of his own blue line and instantly wheeled north with it. Looked up, found Nuge with a good headman pass, and Nuge was away and rattled a rocket off the crossbar, uh, which easily could have been an assist for, for Jones, but it was just uh, uh, the kind of thing that he should be good at. He's fast, he can skate, he can, you know, he can move the puck, and he showed all of those skills in that very short vignette. And the puck went from being in a some, somewhat dangerous position against to being in a very dangerous position for in about two seconds. And, but there were two very good seconds by, uh, by Caleb Jones. He took a step towards winning back the coach's confidence. Hmm. Bruce, I think he's been the, the victim of some bad puck luck and bad goaltending this year. He's made about the same amount of mistakes on grade A chances, same rate as a player like Chris Russell. Just very few by, by luck or you know, by hooker, by crook, very few of those chances with Russell ended up in the back of the order's net, but with Jones, they did. And, and, and in a small number of games, that, that really does come down to bad puck luck. And so I think that's given this impression that Jones is not as, as solid a defensive player as he is. I think he's a better player than Chris Russell at this point. Um, I, and I think that, it, you know, maybe he needed to learn a lesson on the penalty kill. When given the chance again, I suspect we will see him block the snot out of shots uh, yeah. coming his way because uh, that was he sat a month because of of Austin Matthews scoring against him there on the, on that uh, shot that Jones didn't get out there and block. There might have been another one. Yeah, so um, two games later, same problem, and that was the yeah. one he got punished for when he when it happened yeah. again second two. Yeah. So and he played like four minutes total on the penalty kill up to that point, and he was directly sort of burned for two goals against. So sure. it's very small sample size, but uh, it did not look good on him. And because of the penalty killing issues with 
some of the other defenders they had, it cost them. It cost him time, but I'm delighted to see him respond in, in the manner that he did tonight. That was a very good game from a guy who hasn't played for three weeks. Yeah, it was. It, 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 and I and I love it. Like in the old days, on your bottom pairing and, you know, during the dead puck era, you'd have two big Bobby Clobbers out there. But now mm-hmm. it's Bouchard and Jones, and I love that as a as a third pairing. I mean, um, you get out, you can put those guys with the, the, the offensive lines out there and just – man, put the puck back to Jones or Bouchard, they will make something happen. They're not just going to dump it in to the corner or make a, sometimes, you know, Nurse, as good a player as Nurse, he will make a fairly mundane pass or shot that does nothing, like right at the goalie and just the play dies with him. Mm-hmm. The play takes off when it goes back to, to Bouchard especially, but also to Jones, and they worked well together. So I'd like to see that, uh, that, that twosome stay together. On the other, you know, on the other hand, Ethan Barron and William Loggison, Bruce, are very good hockey players. Like, I don't know what what happens when Loggison's healthy and when um, when when Bear's healthy because uh, they, you know, it's just. I guess the bottom yeah. line is, I'm not that worried about it. The Oilers have lots of great choices on defense, and it's going to make a huge difference. I, I think if other teams had lost three defensemen to injury, like the Oilers just did, that it would really sink them. Mm-hmm. But this is a testament to the depth that the Oilers have now on the blue line. Four defensemen when you count Oscar Kleffbaum, of course, who's on who's on injured reserve all year. I mean, they're trying to fill in yeah. for him, and they, now they lost three other guys in the process, and they're still... They're filling in for Oscar. I'll say that. Like, I know that, uh, you know, you know, Oscar Kleffbaum is a fine hockey player, but last year, in the last couple of years, he's been playing hurt, and I think it's impacted his results. So, you know, he's missed, but if he had been, uh, and he's missed on the PK especially, but he's been, they've filled in for him at even strength just fine. Bruce, my second good thing is Leon Dreisaitl, and he just, he's such a brilliant hockey player, and I do criticize him often for his defensive lapses because I see him as uh, he, he, he's always thinking, he's always using his head. He's a very smart player, but sometimes I think he, he instead of just com- physically taking command of the defensive slot, he's trying to play the passing lanes, pick off passes and get a break. And you'll often see Yamamoto or Cahoon covering for him down low when I think he should be there. He should, he should make up his mind. He's going to do that job. But well, this is your good thing. Yes, this is my good thing. <laughs> his passing Bruce tonight was out of this world good it was just out of this world good you know from the, the Cahoon's first goal uh w- which he set up with the cross scene pass to the the sequence early in the third period where first he gets the puck in the slot and puts a beautiful backhand pass over to Yamamoto and then on the rebound play uh sets up Cahoon for uh, the uh you know wide open net shot but the best pass of all in that mm-hmm. in of all was the power play pass where mm-hmm. the puck Nugent Hopkins I think puts it down to chase on chase on such an excellent power player by the way and he immediately right. puts puts it over to dry settle in the slot and boom it's red on McDavid's stick he, he just knows exactly where McDavid is and in traffic he hits mm-hmm. him with a perfect pass and McDavid has all the time in the world to score so that win was orchestrated as much as anyone by Leon Dreisaitl's offensive excellence. He is the best passer of the puck in the NHL right now, I believe. 
Well, he led the league in assists by a goodly margin last year. And uh, he's uh, uh, trailing McDavid in that category at the moment. I'm not sure. I haven't looked closely at that specific category, but I know he's up obviously near the leaders because most of his points are assists and he's uh, second in the league in scoring. But uh, his uh, his passes on the, on the goals, I mean, that one sequence early in the third that you mentioned, I mean, he started that play deep in Edmonton territory, winning the puck and making the breakout pass up the boards. And I think it went uh, Dreisaitl to Yamamoto to Cahoon, back to Dreisaitl and back to Yamamoto uh, for a great shot that was, uh, Demko was barely kept up. And I thought Demko was going to freeze, freeze it, but Leon went in hard to the rebound and fished the rebound out of the traffic, pulled it out, found Cahoon cross ice, put it on his tape. And of course, Vancouver at that point was chaos. And it was a fairly easy finish for uh, for Cahoon. Yeah. The Canucks ever melt in that game? Wow. It was just like watching the Oilers in years past, honestly. Like when I'm watching the Flames and the Canucks right now melt down and not get it, it just, it's so reminiscent of those weaker Oiler teams. The way they lose games and just just you know let them slip from their fingers, um, the, the win. Leon, uh, by the way, Leon Dreisaitl has. If these stats are updated, sometimes it takes a while for the NHL to update its stats. McDavid has 25 assists and uh, Dreisaitl has 23, second best. Marner's got 21, with a couple okay. games in hand. Patrick Kane 21, and Quinn Hughes of Vancouver has 19. Bruce, what's your bad thing? Uh, I'm. In the first period, um, the, both the second and third goals. In fact, we should probably do your first, your bad thing first, so we can do these. Okay, I'll do mine. <laughs> sure. Okay. I'll let well, everybody first, guess what your bad thing is. Yeah. Now. Well, <laughs> speaking of when the Oilers were a bad team and, and the way they lost games, um, the first, <laughs> the first shot on net going in, uh, especially when it's an absolutely nothing shot is almost always a killer for a team. It's very difficult for a team to come back from that. And um, that's what happened to the Oilers tonight. It was uh, just a, you know, everyone saw that, you know, if you didn't see the play, it was like Horvat coming down the wing, um, shooting from the corner at net. And it, I don't know how it went in, went right through right Smith. Through him. I don't just think Smith through. ever touched him. Touching no, I, I was I right along the ice from a low angle. You, you would think it would be hard for the goalie to get out of the way and not touch it, but uh, it went under his stick, and I think it went under the little bit of his pad. You know where the where the down by the ankle, and it yeah. was just somehow went right through everything. But he made up for it later on. Look, so so how do you how do you come back from that? And then they, of course there's the deflected goal next. But how so how do you come back from that? Well, Mike Smith came back by playing just a whale of a game. And he had two fabulous saves, the breakaway save on the uh, sh- shorthanded shot. Was it Roussel who got that shot? And then a tipped shot or, or a rebound shot um, uh, halfway through the third. First, there was a difficult shot from Sutter. And then there was a rebound shot that was absolutely, you know, a five alarm chance. And he, he managed to get that. Bruce, he just, he just uh, was fantastic. And I, I have to say, Jack Michaels made a comment about 10 minutes left in the third that he didn't think Mike Smith was going to make another mistake. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's the Canadian me that thinks, how can you say that? You're, you're jinxing the goalie. It was kind of a ballsy thing for, for Michaels to say. 
but he, he was right. And, um, and you do get this sense with, with Smith that when he's on, when he's focused and when he's on, he's, first of all, he's moving the puck so well, really helps his team immensely. But he's also zeroed in on shots. And, and Michael's obviously felt enough confidence to, to make that, that call. And uh, Jack, you got it right. So good work. Yeah, he did slam the door after uh, after that. But, I mean, that that poor opening goal, I think that kind of opened the floodgates all the way to 3 nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, which will go to my bad things, which uh, were the second and third Vancouver goals. Both scored off of face-offs in Edmonton territory. Both scored off of scrambled draws in the Edmonton uh, territory where... Uh, Vancouver wingers, uh, the you know supporting players, won the draw uh, after you know the centers kind of tied it up, and so my bad thing was the Oilers' wingers support on D zone faceoffs for you know those, specifically those two goals. But it's a, it's a small detail of the game, but it's a detail that can show up on that big scoreboard in a flash if you're not doing it right, and it happened twice. After the second one, I was just face palming and saying, "Well, this is not going to be our night now, is it?" But uh, uh, they kind of cleaned up a lot of the uh, a lot of the the uh, D zone stuff. And when they did have a couple of breakdowns, uh, that was when the the netminder was there when they needed him to be. And but uh, the first period was by far their worst of the three. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, they came out flat, that's for sure. And then Smith's play obviously didn't help. Uh, the ref was, on that play, did you see that? Like, he did, he was kind of in the way, and he was trying to do this ballet move to get I think that may have been a distraction, but it was just so weird. Like, uh, a friend said that he thought the ref screened him at first, and I looked at him, no, he didn't screen him, but he, you know, it's just, he did this wacky move to get out of Horvat's way, and it just, it was just a weird one. Um, let's move on to our numbers, Bruce. What is your number? Okay, I'm going to go with the number 2525. Hefman is still alive. Remember that song, Zagger and Ev- Evans, in the year 2525? Oh, well, 1969. I remember, I don't summer remember this song, but it's Summer of Love. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, uh, 2525 is the amount of ice time recorded by uh, Dr. 25, Darnell Nurse, tonight down five minutes or so from what he did on the weekend. Uh, exactly 25 shifts, 25 minutes, 25 seconds, number 25. Second time in, a, in a, this month that he's had exactly that ice time in a game. You couldn't but, resist that, Bruce. You, there was no, no, no way. That's right. No, I couldn't resist that. that. There's lots there of good numbers no tonight, but that's the best one. Wild and, horses <laughs> take you away from that one. But the key Another number for him... Yeah, nine seconds was after two failed power plays with Tyson Berry on the point. They put Darnell Nurse out for the third power play. They won the faceoff back to him. He started the sequence. He didn't get a point because all the other forwards touched the puck after. Um, but he was on the ice for nine seconds, and the power play did more good things in those nine seconds than they'd done in the previous two power plays, I think. So it was... Uh, uh, an interesting choice by the coach, and I, uh, but it was, to my eye, a night that Tyson Berry was struggling, and he just decided, let's change it up. And You know, Darnell, he doesn't play much on the power play, but when he plays on the first unit, 
he's been getting points this year. He didn't get a point on that one, but the the, the unit did. And that's um, uh, for those many people who are totally terrified by Nurse's next contract. They have to hope that he doesn't get a lot of time on the power play because he ever, if he ever did, and started racking up extra points there that sort of naturally accrue to a regular power player, uh, that would really put the hurting on that next contract number. He'd, but, he'd uh, be my fourth choice, you know, after Barry Bouchard and Bear to run the Oilers' power play. But maybe there's something about that left shot. Like everyone, everyone was saying all these years, we need a right shot on the Oilers' power play. Like, God, we just need that right shot that you can get set up for the one-timer. And Barry's one-timer has been good now and then. But maybe there's something about that left shot. I think I think it has to do with the Nugent Hopkins back, back pass, patented back pass on the power play, working a lot better if it goes to the left shot guy. It just then zings over that much faster to dry settle on the other side. And without that, that's been a little bit off because Nugent hasn't been able to hit Barry just in stride and make that, it's that that play hasn't worked as well with um, uh, Barry as opposed to Klopp pull it Klopp. into the middle of the ice, and if you pull it in the middle of the ice, and the guy isn't where you think he is, it's a breakaway because it's going, you know, it's going right through the center circle. Yeah, it's a Whereas more dangerous, up, more up the boards, and even if you happen to miss Clef, which they never did, because Clef, one thing he did was he went to spots. He was always in the spot. He, you know, he tracked the puck really well, and uh, Barry's a little bit more. Mercurial, he darts around a little bit. And yeah. if you don't see him, you can't be sure where he is. For the yeah. bomb, they didn't have to see him to know where he was. I think that that's one of the differences in this year's power play. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Nurse is, uh, he's just an occasional there. Like he plays uh, double the minutes on the penalty kill that he does on the power play. And and yet he's still piling in the points. So he's, uh, he's uh, coming on and, He's he got a bit up. lucky with mm-hmm. some of the points, like you know, some of the shots. Always that went has, out always has had sort of a little bit of bit of uh, uh, luck getting some greasy points, but he's so involved in the play that you know, sometimes uh, he's one of the three last guys to touch it. I won't <laughs> mind when Darnell Nurse gets paid, Bruce. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a Darnell Nurse fan. Um, he's play, he's playing his best hockey of his career right now. He's going to make Team Canada playing at this level. Um, I don't know if there's going to be an Olympics, but that's a different question. Uh, Bruce, my number is 13. That's the number of hits from the uh, uh, the uh, Caroline. The uh, um, Juju Care was seven, Josh Archibald with four, and Tyler Ennis with two. So the nitty gritty dirt line. They got mm. down and dirty tonight, Bruce, and they were they laying on the that. body. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't recall, like, you know, like, like they were smaller hits. I think, generally speaking, they, like, I don't recall any, like, massive, massive hits. But just just that that style of play leads to good things. So, uh, yeah, they've been, they've been bringing it. Them. And uh, Kara, in particular, has been pounding the body lately. He's been getting... Uh, He's been getting, just give me half a second and I'll give you. Like, Archibald's been hitting all year. But Kara, of course, really just got back in the lineup for for uh, keeps in the last uh, last little while. And he's had, uh, uh, 
Well, he had a game with eight hits. They had another one with six. Wow. You know, four. Uh, and this is all in the last little while that he's, you know, he's been ramping up now another seven, was it, tonight? And good for he's him. Just he's been gonna, finishing his checks. and Good. Gonna That's what a, you need. He's going to earn another contract, Bruce, at this rate. Mm-hmm. Bruce, uh, oh, I wanted to add, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I just, I forgot one of what I was going to be one of my good things, but I'm going to mention it anyway, because this is so good it deserves mention. Ryan Nugent Hopkins stepping up and into oh, yeah. Antoine Roussel after that punk Roussel dropped the gloves and punched Jesse Pogliarvi in the nose for no reason, cutting him. Now, if you accidentally cut a guy with your errant high stick, it's an automatic four, four minutes, but apparently it's okay to drop your gloves, punch a guy in the nose, and it's only two minutes. Anyway, the Nuge, being the closest oiler, did what the closest oiler needed to do, which was get into uh, Roussel's face. And fantastic. Roos- yeah, fantastic. yeah, I love it. Love it. And Roussel From later... Yeah. <laughs> Roussel later... I thought it was a great sign of acceptance for Pugliarvi on that line. Like, you know, Nuge is jumping in there now and defending him. So, Bruce, I like that special. You're going after the young kid? You're going to have to go through me, man. (laughs) (laughs) I like that special effect, Bruce. That was impressive, man. He could be in Hollywood. He He could be a Hollywood sound uh, He popped him. I was 30. And and Pugliarvi, to his credit, he came back hard. Like he was, he was pissed at the time, and I thought, well, we'll see how you react to that. And he reacted by getting more physical. He had five hits of his own in this game. Uh, yes, a pull yard. He led the orders in shot attempts with seven. He was a, he was a force in in this game. And you know, in the third period, Roussel tried to stir things up with Nurse with about three minutes left and a one goal lead. And Nurse, to his credit, didn't take the bait. But we'll see what happens on the rematch on Thursday night. I, I, I personally, I have a long harbored dislike of Antoine Roussel since his days with Texas Stars during the 2012 lockout when the Oklahoma City Barons played Texas Stars about 40 times in a row, it seemed like. And Roussel was on that team, and he was filthy, just he, filthy. He so. made an absolutely dirty play on, it was either Everly or Justin Schultz. Mm-hmm. As I recall, um, I'm just going to Google both, it. Probably more than once. <laughs> yeah, what he a, was, he was real. He's uh, Matthew Kachuk's mini me. Um, Bruce, I just want to ask you, what did you think of Cassie Campbell's uh, comment about uh, Austin Matthews being a better, more complete player than McDavid and a, a better defensive player? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't hear the words out of her mouth. I, I read the I read the quote and I thought, well, she she was defending one aspect of his game. I, I wasn't sure that she was saying he's straight up the better player, but she was saying uh, better defensive player. And of course, McDavid now has a reputation that he's trying to shake of not being a particularly great defensive player. And I think he's made huge strides this season. I mean, we in monitoring the scoring chances, we're watching for this stuff. And he had a couple of bobbles tonight, but uh, he's been way, way stronger. Uh, but Austin Matthews, it's not just Joe Thornton that says that he's a, a, a potential candidate for the Selkie Trophy. I mean, he's got gotten rave reviews as a, as a, a two-way ace, and I think he got a lot of Selkie votes last year, if I'm not mistaken. And there is an element of people out there that so hates Toronto 
that they want Austin Matthews to be a complete bust. Well, I hate to break it to you. Austin Matthews is a fantastic <laughs> hockey player. He is really good. But I'd rather have McDavid. Indeed, Bruce. Indeed. I think I'd I, I think I'd rather have Leon Dreisaitl as well. Um that's a More that's I think where the, the the debate may be. I can't speak and and I wrote a post about this. I can't speak mm-hmm. to Austin Matthews' defensive game. I I haven't paid you know I don't watch him every game, and and I just you know maybe Campbell watches McDavid and Dry, and Matthews every game and watches enough to have an informed opinion on that. She certainly, I thought she was saying that she, she thinks Matthews is a better player right now. That's that's what I listened to her what she said and that's what she was that's what she was indicating. I mean she was asked. She was essentially asked how McDavid is better than Matthews, how he separates, and she kind of turned it around and uh, and uh, made it into the other. So, uh, nonetheless, hey, maybe Matthews is Bruce. Three better... chances we're going to get to compare him head-to-head next yeah. week. A three-game series, the first one for the Oilers, Toronto at Edmonton. What I think, Bruce, this is a great debate, and it's going to be the debate of the season. Who's going to be the MVP, Matthews or McDavid? As long as neither of them gets hurt, that's going to be the debate all year long, and it's going to be a fantastic debate. So, but uh, good luck arguing against Connor MVP in the end, Bruce, because um, uh, he is the best player on the planet Earth right now, and he is playing the best hockey he has ever played, the best two-way hockey he's ever played. He's come a long way in the defensive zone, and his his attacking is, you know just out of this world uh, at a completely different level than uh, anything we've seen in, in some time in the NHL. That play right after he tied it on the power play, and it was, what, 10 seconds later that he rang a rocket with a shot off the crossbar? Oh. Yeah. He just, just gets out going. of nowhere, right? Yeah. And it was on his stand. He exploded, and the puck exploded off his stick. And not quite bar down, but uh, uh, it was... Uh, I mean, he rang two off the iron tonight, and you know he he got the he got the big game tying goal and involved. I don't know how many scoring chances you'll have that number, but uh, he was uh, from uh, from what I've seen of the Leafs, Bruce this year. We saw them in four games so far. The Oilers, the Oilers, I thought outplayed them overall. Had the edge in those games. They were two wins each. Um, the Leafs obviously have a better record than the Oilers right now, so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I would love to see the Oilers challenge the Leafs, uh, obviously, for uh, first place overall, and I expect that's going to happen. McDavid was in on six grade-A chances tonight, which is about his average. It's a little bit below his average, which is astonishing. Like, it's more than a point. It's more, like, last year he was in on five grade-A chances a game. This year he's up to, up to more than six. And as great a player as Drysaddle was last year, he just was at it was like like four point eight per game last year. So that just tells you, you know, the level of attacking that we see from from Connor McDavid. Well, Bruce, let's let's leave it there for tonight. Maybe is that it? Are you doing the game uh, grades? Uh, no, Kurt. Kurt's doing the grades tonight. I've got Thursday night's game. Okay, I I oh. I, I was away and. Uh, uh, and thanks for both of you guys. I, I loved actually. I loved listening to the podcast, uh, hearing you guys, it and it, it was uh, it was uh, it just reminds me of why I think people like this podcast. The people who do mm-hmm. like the podcast, I, I we're just we're we're Oiler fans and uh, unabashed mm-hmm. Oiler fans, and we like talking about our team and uh, are willing and able to do so at great length. 
So yeah, we've got lots of that's lots of nice feedback. And thanks to the folks yeah. for that. We do read the comments on YouTube that sometimes hundreds of comments. It's amazing. But uh it's uh uh it's fun to do and chat about our team, and it just felt like it was a road trip where the driver went and had to sleep in the back seat and gave me the keys to, <laughs> to uh, drive for a couple of hours, and Kurt came up and rode shotgun, and we kept on talking about the orders. <laughs> it's funny, not doing, uh, you did the scoring chances and I reviewed them, but not when, when you're just watching the game, because I watched those games, but when you're not doing the scoring chances... For me, at least, because it's kind of a religion and I've done it for 10 years in a row now, if I don't do that work, I just feel like I haven't ingested the game. I don't comprehend it. I don't really, I'm not really able to comment on it that much uh, at this point because I don't feel confident in my opinion of it. So uh, that, that, that's always an interesting feeling to, to be, uh, not do that work. So um, that's part of the reason I do it to. To, to make sure that I'm on all those key plays, uh, I know what exactly happened, or as much as I can. Thanks again, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>